You're listening to the LaxRecords.com podcast, episode 8. Today we're talking to Paul the Six head coach, Bob Wetters, so let's get started. Hey everybody, Mike here. Welcome to the LaxRecords.com podcast. First off, let me apologize a little bit for missing the last few weeks. I actually came down with the flu and lost my voice. I uh, couldn't talk for more than about five minutes without sounding literally like a uh, a mouse that may, or a, a door that needed some WD-40. So I took a few weeks off to uh, to spare you the burden of having to listen, <laughs> listen to that. Um, but now I'm back, and uh, if this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. If you're new to the show, thanks for coming back. Uh, usual housekeeping stuff, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lax Records, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash laxrecords. All show notes are um, at laxrecords.com slash podcast as well. Uh, today's podcast is, was a lot of fun for me. Uh, not only was it, did it mean I was finally healthy and able to actually conduct a podcast, but I got the chance to talk with Paul the Six head coach Bob Waters. Coach Waters took over the Paul the Six program in 2012. <clears throat> His first season was the 2013 season, and I remember that distinctly because he helped lead Paul the Sixth to a 20-win season, and they knocked off Georgetown Prep that year in their second game of the year. It made big news. I was doing some uh, top 25 stuff or top 20 stuff for U.S. Lacrosse at the time, and it was one of those wins where you're kind of debating on how much does it really mean. And then they went on for a 20-win season. So it was a pretty special year, and uh, it was great to be able to kind of see that unfold. Uh, in four seasons, Coach Waters has led Paul VI to a 61-27 record while competing in one of the toughest reasons in the nation. For those who don't know, Paul VI is located in the Washington, D.C., kind of northern Virginia, Maryland area. It's basically where the Beltway kind of connects. Uh, you get a big circle right around the D.C. region. It's a very competitive um area you get Paul or in addition to Paul the Six you have Landon Georgetown Prep you have a lot of good solid public schools especially in the Maryland area you get teams like Bullis you get Bishop O'Connell you get Dematha I mean there's a who's who of programs in that area and it is growing uh, exponentially it seems like and we actually get into that part of that with the podcast when Coach Waters talks about the increase in area and how that's affecting across in the area so you'll first of all probably notice this podcast is longer than previous versions because honestly Coach Waters and I, we just end up sitting down and having a conversation about lacrosse and neither of us really wanted to to stop, <laughs> to, to be, be honest. Um, over the course of the podcast, you're going to get some information on what type of player he looks for. That's kind of how we started out. I started out with kind of same similar stuff that I'd done with some of the other coaches previously, what physical and mental attributes he looks for specifically. But then we kind of move on. You're going to get some insight on how he went from a JV head coach and a varsity assistant at a public school in Virginia, notably Chantilly, to the head coach of a private school that plays in the Washington Catholic Athletic Conference in addition to the Virginia Private School League. So they actually play for two titles each year, which we also get into that in the, in the, uh, in the podcast. So we're going to kind of learn about that and how he kind of used his business acumen to build a consistent winning program out of Paula Six. We definitely get into how he built a culture, what the culture he wanted to build, but also how he's gone about doing that. And he told me in the podcast he has a five-year plan, and this is his fifth year, so he's kind of hoping to see that if it all comes to fruition in this upcoming season. So it was really exciting. Um, we also get into some season preview talk. We talk about the Washington Catholic Athletic Conference and kind of that D.C., Virginia, Maryland area in general. And so without further ado, 
let's get to the show. You know, thanks, thanks for for being on the podcast. You know, we've known each other for a few years, and uh, it's good to good to talk about some lacrosse, even though we're still at this point a couple months away from from the season actually starting, but it'll be here soon. Seems like after Christmas, that seems to get here really fast. At that point, it sure does. It sure um, does. So you know, just just kind of kicking off um, the everything. Uh, what do you think are the or for you? What are the three biggest attributes you look for? Uh, in a player, I um, you know I thought about that a lot. And and um, first of all, I think I break it down into two main categories. Okay. Like, and and I call them the how and the what. And it probably comes from my professional career uh, working in talent management. Um, and it's something that uh, Jack Welch made famous at GE thirty some years ago. And basically, we assess talent first on what the person can achieve mm-hmm. uh, and then also how they do it so if you if you look where to where to graph this you'd have a vertical and a horizontal graph one would be the how one would be the what and what you're looking for is people in that top right con- quadrant which would mm-hmm. be the people that have the athleticism they have the skills um, they have the ability to perform and compete on the field you know you, you've got to have that that's the mm-hmm. one what you do you got to have that but then you also have to have the how at least for what i'm looking for and and i think for what most leaders are looking for um the how being um how do you handle yourself you know how, how do how do these kids handle themselves on and off the field and and to me that includes things like character commitment and courage those are the three big c's i look at mm-hmm. to do the right thing and handle themselves the right right way on and off the field um so it's kind of that combination. And, and what I would say is, you know, what we look for in our program, we're not looking for any lax pros, so it's not enough to just be a superstar lacrosse player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got to have the how and the what. You know, we want high-character kids, and, you know, my view is we, we want to, we're going to win or lose with high-character kids, and, and hopefully we can find those high-character kids that, that have the what, you know, the ability to execute as well. And that, that's you know, that's what we've worked real hard to try and build at PVI over the last four years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously the the on-the-field stuff is, you know, maybe not obvious that you could find, but how do you go about evaluating that that kind of off-the-field, the, the character portion, like when you're in tryouts and stuff like that, like how do you evaluate that part? And, and actually that part is, I'll see some in tryouts, but that part's literally, usually, you know, I'm going to know that before tryouts. So, um if it's, a, if it's a kid that I've recruited from out of middle school, which means I have scouted them, likely watching their club team. Um, it could be like a rec team as well. Um, but, you know, I've scouted them. I've spoken to their coaches. Um, I've spoken to their parents. Um, we've gotten school transcripts when they apply. That's a big mm-hmm. deal for us. You know, looking at the school transcripts, are there any behavior issues, any, you know, any issues there? Are they – are they able to manage their time, do well in school while they're handling, um, you know, the challenges of athletics? Um, and I spend a lot of time with these guys in the in the fall in the school. In other words, I'll meet with three to five guys um, every week, sometimes as many as ten in a week, in one-on-one sessions to get to know them. Um, understand how they're doing in school. I track how they're doing in school, but just, you know, kind of get to know them, how they're doing. Mm-hmm. I will talk to their teachers. I will talk to their counselors. So I'll have a sense of that. 
um, when they come into tryouts. And then during tryouts, you, you tell the how in a couple of ways, you know, uh, is this a guy that's prepared for tryouts? Mm -hmm. And that's pretty easy. We, we do a, a pretty rigorous conditioning test on day one, so we kind of know who is prepared and who hasn't. Right. Uh, is it someone that comes in with a, um, a positive attitude? Is it, you know, is it someone who's supportive of their teammates and not just a me guy? Um, you know, do they look like they're committed when they come out? Um, do they show some courage, you know, during the trials? I mean, so we look at those things for sure. And so it's a combination of looking at that how and looking at the what. What can they achieve? Because, you know, I can have a guy who's phenomenal as a, as a high-character kid, student-athlete, but may have no skill and no athleticism. Um, I could also have a kid who's off the charts with their athleticism um, and ability to perform on the, on the field, but they're not a great character kid. And mm -hmm. so neither one of those are, are what we're looking for, but I'd rather take the high character kid than, you know, than the other one. I mean, we're looking for that combination of someone who's got the, the what and the how. Right. Okay. Um, and <clears throat> before, you know, I should mention, I know we were going to get this a little bit later, but you, you were at a, a public school for a number yeah. of years at Chantilly still in the Virginia area, for those who don't know. Um, and so now you're at a private school, which is uh, in the Northern Virginia area. So for, you know, the private school, since you kind of get to have a little bit more hands-on with those kids before there, was this, you said you mentioned it at your um, your previous career, but how did you guys do that at Chantilly, like for a public school program? Like, how did you kind of balance that? So, yeah, uh, I, so I was an assistant coach at Chantilly for about seven years, um, defensive coordinator, and for a couple years also the JV head coach. And, um, and I was part-time, I had a full-time job. I, you know, I worked in the corporate world and I was there whenever I could be there. And I tried to, you know, change my schedule so I could be there in the spring and, you know, work a lot in the off season, mm -hmm. uh, but very different, very different than the situation at a PVI right. in, in, you know, competing in the WCAC and this, uh, um, you know, most of the coaches in the, in the public schools, they're part-time and, they might be teachers in the school, but, you know, the, the staffs are made up of really, really part-time guys. And mm -hmm. um, you go to the private schools and, you know, the, the big prep schools, they've got a full staff of kids that are in the building. And they're with these kids, you know, the whole year, 12 months of the year. And it's right. just a lot different um, that what you're dealing with there. Um, and I think um, also the um, just the amount of time you have to invest year-round. Um, you know, at the public school, you get what you're going to get talent-wise. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go scout. You don't have to recruit. You know, you're going to get what you get. Um, it, in the uh, public, in the private schools, you know, the first thing that I learned, you, you've got to go out and scout. You know, no one's automatically coming to your school. Right. Um, you know, it, it, unless you're fortunate, you know, you have to build the, um, you've got to build the culture. You, you, you've got to build something that is going to attract the kind of kids um, you want to attract to your program and to your school. And, you know, that was the big thing that I saw right away. And, and, you know, I, I looked at it as a, as a five-year plan when I came in, you know, to build that culture and that foundation. And you know, I'm going into my fifth year now, so we'll see how, how well that works. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned that, and that's the, uh, a phrase that I hear a lot of coaches say, you know, in, in a lot of sports is, building the culture, what does yeah. that actually mean? Like what, what bricks do you put in place to kind of build that, build that culture? Yeah. And the, and the culture to me would really be a lot of the how, you know, focused on a lot of the how and, um, 
you know, the character of the team, the program, uh, what we're about. Um, it, it, one of the ways I can explain it to you is, you know, uh, I've defined the mission and the vision for our program. You know, the mission being we want to prepare uh, the players in our team to compete for a WCAC and a VISA championship every year. Mm -hmm. and we want them to learn what does it take to prepare to compete for championships every year. Um, that's the mission. The vision is much broader. The vision is we would like to be the most respected program in the D.C. metropolitan area in Virginia. And when I say most respected program, this is now where you're getting to culture. You know, um, mm -hmm. you've got to be competitive to be the most respected, but that's not enough. I mean, you've got right. to have a culture of high character guys that respect the game, um, understand, um, you know, what sportsmanship means, understand doing it the right way. Um, you know, how we behave on and off the field, um, you know, not just on the field, but academics, how we handle ourselves um, in helping to, you know, I really feel like the, the, the most important job of a coach is, is really, it's much bigger than winning games. I and mean, it's really to develop the boys that are entrusted to us, you know, develop them into uh, high character young men who are resilient, can deal with adversity, can compete, um, and can work effectively as part of a team at the highest level without sacrificing ethics um, um, and not sacrificing being a high-quality student. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, not, I'm not just an athlete. I'm a student athlete. That's a big thing for us. And, um, in our school, and, and really, I think, across the WCAT, it's very service-oriented because all the Catholic schools um, have a big focus on service. And we do mm -hmm. a lot of service. Um, you know, that's a big part of who we are, and we want them to understand the concept of service to others. And, you know, that's really important to us. But I, I, I think that's what I mean by culture. You know, the culture for us would be having, um, you know, we're trying to build the, the, the total man, the PVI man, mm -hmm. which would be, you know, character, commitment, courage, um, you know, how they treat others, um, uh, the, you know, the desire to, to support others and serve mm -hmm. others. So when you first got the PVI, I guess five years ago, what, um, how did you start by building that? Like, what was it? Because obviously you had a core group of kids that were already there, um, and you guys had a lot yeah. of success in your first year as well. So what was it like? Like, how did you kind of come in, and did you have to change the culture that was there before? And then what kind of like what did you have to do to kind of start putting those that foundation in place when you first got there? Yeah, I, I think it was definitely a challenge coming in from the from the public school world. And again, um, part time. I've been coaching a long time, mm -hmm. uh, probably starting in the in the early '90s, youth lacrosse in this area. Um, and then in the early 2000s, started coaching club lacrosse, and then was asked to help out at Chantilly in like the 2006 timeframe. Um, but none of that prepared me for you know for taking over a head coaching job at a private school. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it was a, it was, I wasn't looking for it. It was a confluence of, of things that happened. I took early retirement and was blessed to be able to do that from the corporate world. And then I was actually running a club team called the Fuse Lacrosse Club out in Loudoun County and mm -hmm. um, still serving as an assistant at Chantilly. And I was doing a lot of consulting and serving on a couple boards, doing some different things. And I got a call from a friend who worked at PVI and said they had, um, just let go of their lacrosse coach and they really needed somebody to come in and help, you know, rebuild the program. And they, you know, they want more of a values-based approach. And, 
and kind of hinted to me, I think they'd like someone uh, older, more mature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I probably, probably fit that. But they, more experienced. Really more experienced. <laughs> yeah, but, but somebody that would put more focus on the values than just winning games, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think taking a bigger picture of what is the role. Um, and, and so when I came in, it, it had great interviews, the AD, and, and I turned it down initially. I had no interest. We were on a state title run at Chantilly, and I wasn't looking to leave, but mm-hmm. they came back a couple times, and I went in, talked to the AD, talked to the principal. I love what they had to say. You know, I love what they had to say about the school and the, you know, the vision for the school and their athletic programs, which wasn't, it's not about just winning championships. I mean, they really, you know, believe in this this concept of developing these boys into men and, mm-hmm. and, and doing it the right way and having athletics be a part of it. So mm-hmm. I have felt no pressure, you know, that we have to win X amount of games or whatever. I have had, I've had, you know, I feel personal pressure that we're competitive because that's part of being a respected program. And, mm-hmm. and you want kids to learn how to compete, you know, and compete effectively together. So that's a big thing, but the bigger thing has been on the culture side. Um, and, and that did start. I came in in uh, late June of 2012, and the day that I was hired, uh, my athletic director, Billy Emerson, said, and by the way, you have two days to prepare for a tournament. Called <laughs> that time, the Brine um, shootout, it's, you know, now the Under Armour shootout, and, I, mm-hmm. and that was a big deal tournament. Um, and I was like, whoa, I didn't even know who the kids were. I didn't, you know, uh, and he said, you might want to call one of these parents. So I called a parent. The parents were so supportive. Uh, there were a group of three or four parents that were kind of the parent leaders, and, you know, they had all the contact information. You know, I told them I wanted to get a practice, like, the next day, and mm-hmm. they pulled all that together. And, and the parents were fantastic. If I didn't have the support group uh, of the parents, you know, very involved, small group of parents, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if I would have survived, you know, that, that first year. Right. Uh, so they were a big factor. The AD was a big factor. He was very supportive to me. Um, particularly in the first year, um, I didn't know what I was getting. I, I didn't. I hadn't been following the. I mean, I knew about the WCAC and the IT, and I grew up in Baltimore, so I certainly knew the MIA. Didn't know a whole lot about VISA. Um, I didn't really know what we had, other than you know when I came in, other than people said it, it's a it's a program, it's a team with a lot of potential, whatever, a lot of potential. Um, had never made it past the first round of a playoff. Had not won a playoff game, you know, in the WC or VISA, and. Um, so I wasn't expecting that we'd be as good as we were the first year, but when mm-hmm. I came in, what I saw was we had 18 seniors and, um, and some just incredible talent. And to be honest, I was like shocked that they hadn't won multiple titles at that point. Um, so we had more talent than I expected coming in. And, and that was a blessing for me, you know, to, to get off on a good start in my first year. Um, the biggest challenge was hiring great coaches, um, the other thing, you know, I, I think I kind of knew this from my corporate experience. One person isn't going to get it done. You got to have a team, um, and if you want to build the culture, you got to have the right coaching staff. So it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing for the coaches as the players. It's not enough that they know lacrosse and that they're lax experts, and, you know, and played the game. But you know, they have to be high character guys that are going to be great role models for the kids. And um, that was probably where I put most of my time that summer. But I didn't. I did no recruiting that summer. Whoever was coming was coming you know, for the 13 class, mm-hmm. um, and whoever was there was there. And, and um, you know, I didn't I, really start recruiting until the spring of 2013. Okay. And I should point out, you guys went, what, 20-4 and four that first season? 
Is that yeah, the first something season? like that. I think the big deal for us, uh, you know, we had a lot of firsts that year. We we beat Georgetown Prep. Uh, mm-hmm. We had never beaten Riken before. I, um, we we may have only beaten Damatha once, and it had it had been a while. Um, there were a lot of firsts um, in terms of who we beat. Same thing on the Vista side. A lot of teams that, you know, PVI had not beaten. I think they'd only made it to the Vista playoffs once and lost in the first round. Um, so the big thing for us was first get over the hump and win a playoff game. You know, beat some of these teams. And, and I think the Georgetown Prep win was a huge win for the program. Um, and, and kind of one of those defining moments. We knew we could compete with the best. Um, but then it was let's prepare ourselves for the playoffs. And we, we got to the playoffs and we won our three games in WCAC made it to the championship game. I'd never been to a championship game. Mm-hmm. Competed against uh, Gonzaga in, in certainly the most exciting game, I think, since I've been uh, at PVI. And I think we lost 13 to 11 in the title game. Yep. And, and then we made it to the title game in Vista and we lost six to five to St. Stephen. So it was a big deal to make it uh, to both of those that year. We had a great senior class and, um, you know, I really felt, we should have won both of those. And, and, you know, my feeling was, you know, that's where you feel as a coach, what could we have done differently? You only have so much time with these guys, but um, I thought we accomplished a lot. We did have injuries. Um, And I think the big deal between a PVI and some of the other top programs, we don't tend to have the same amount of depth that they have. So if we have a key injury, it's probably going to hurt us a little bit more. Right. And it's worth pointing out that because you play in the WCAC and the VISA, which is Virginia Independent, Secondary Athletic Association. Do I have that right? Yes. Um, that you guys play basically two championships games in the span of what three days, four days usually? Yeah, it's not that. It's not that bad. It's it's you. It's it's, um, <laughs> it's week by week. There's like a week of WSAC playoffs, and then on the following Monday you have the championship game. But what okay. happens is this the playoffs start on Tuesday, the day after the championship game. So you know you make it to the championship game, you you got a game the next day. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, you know, first round uh, Vista game. So then you have two, uh, two or three Vista games, depending on if you get a buy or not. And then you have what they call the final four in Vista, um, which is a really cool, um, just really cool um, for the kids. They, you know, we go to either uh, University of Richmond or to um, Randolph-Macon College. They rotate it every year. And it's just fantastic, you know, huge crowds, all the college coaches come. It's a lot of fun for the kids. They're staying over in a hotel um, and great competition. So WCAC and VISA both have great competition. A lot more schools in VISA because it's all the privates mm-hmm. in Virginia. But if you look at the top 10 VISA privates, um, they're as good, to me, they're as good as any conference, you know, we've competed with, you know, teams from other conferences. So very strong conference. WCSE is certainly very strong and has been so for a long time. Um, I was probably most surprised by the competition in VISA. I, you know, I didn't realize that, that, that VISA would be that strong. It was definitely a very, very strong conference. Yeah, and you guys are playing against like St. Stephen, St. Agnes, which is in the IAC, yep. plays which, against so Georgetown Prep, but you're also playing St. Anne's Belfield and uh, yep. Collegiate and stuff like that, like the yep. schools from Richmond and Charlottesville St. areas. So. Yep, St. Chris, Woodbury <laughs> Forest, Collegiate, Stab, um, St. Stephen's, Episcopal, um, uh, great program in Norfolk, um, Norfolk Academy. Um, and, and the guy there, Tom Duquette, is a legend. He's mm-hmm. been there for like 40 years. And he's a, he's a guy I knew from Baltimore. Um, um, you know, he was, a, he was a legend coming out of Baltimore. And 
So great coaches. That's the other thing. You know, the coaching in the WCAC and um, Visa. I mean, these are like professional coaches. I mean, this is you know they're they're serious. This is this is their career, and um, you know they take a lot of pride in it, and they they invest a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, you know, in, in the staffs. You know, um, just incredible coaching staffs that you're competing with. You know, two two three games a week. Mm-hmm. Um, the two conferences, and, and so there's not there's no you know, in the public world, the public high school world, they might have two or three really tough games in the regular season um, out of, like, 14, and it's just different here at every game. And you better have a scouting report on everybody. And in this in particular, you know, but also in the WC, the, the, the demographics, the geographics are so broad, um, it's very hard to go scout a, a game. I was used to being able to scout the other team mm-hmm. in person. You really can't do that in our world. So you either have to be able to get film, or um, which really is not allowed in VISO. It, it is in the WCC. But you got to get good scouting reports. So you have to establish relationships with the coaches. Um, you got to get to know your fellow coaches and and have good enough relationships that you can get scouting reports in a timely fashion on everybody. And it's a very quick turnaround. Um, so it's a challenge. I mean, it's it's definitely. I mean, I'm. I'm I, I tell you, I have a lot of a lot of respect for the guys that have been doing this for a long time and having a lot of success for a long time because it's not easy. And you know, they do it year in year out. And uh, you know, I don't. I'm not sure people realize, you know, how hard it is for these guys to do what they do every year. Yeah, and I mean, there's. I mean, you you can't. There's no way around it. I mean, there's there's got to be pressure at places like Landon and Georgetown Prep because those programs yeah. are they're used to winning. Flat out, like they're they're used to being in the top, and I mean, you know, I'm sure Bordley, even though he's been there forever, I you know he wants to win, and there's kind of an expectation there in that in that program and in the family and from the players, which I'm sure, as you mentioned, building yeah, I mean, the culture, like that culture is in place, so he doesn't have to build that for you. You right. had to come in, and right. I mean, four years, you guys have been winning for four years, and you know, you've kind of. St- I don't know if you ever consider it done, up, but yeah, yeah, but trying to inch up, yeah, trying to inch up to the point that. Um, uh, we have enough depth. We can go out there and, and, you know, and just have the confidence that we can compete with anybody. And I feel like we've gotten to that point now. You know, it, we really feel like we've gotten there, and we'll see. We'll see how we do this year. Um, but feel very good about where we are. You know, every, you know, one of the coaches I'm very impressed with, Casey O'Neill, who came in and did that at Gonzaga. You know, mm-hmm. Gonzaga, prior to him taking over, was not a power. I mean. Right. They were a good quality program, but certainly not a power. And, yeah, DeMatha. You know, DeMatha was the year in, year out. DeMatha for 10 lock. years. Yeah. You know, the whole Washington area. But, um, you know, he had like a five-year plan, and, you know, he he slowly built it, and he did it the right way and, um, you know, brought in some great coaches. And, you know, I, I think that's how you get staying power, you know, yeah. by doing it the right way. And so I, I think he's definitely proven that. Um, Rob Bordley at Landon, Kevin Giblin at Prep. You know, I, who's I think now for those who's now who's actually who's now at uh, uh, Bishop O'Connell. Oh yeah, Bishop um, O'Connell. Sorry, which is great for them. Um, but you know, those coaches at, at those schools, they've created a culture where you know, if they don't win the championship, it's a failure. You know, and and you know, that's the kind of pressure that's built up. So you know, as you have success, it does build some some pressure. Um, you know, my thing is, we want to certainly we want to prepare. We, we'd like to win championships, but. We, we always stay, try and stay focused on the bigger picture. You know, um, winning itself isn't going to be the, the end all. It, you know, it's going to be, be becoming that most respected program. So, you know, mm-hmm. we have to be able to do everything else. And, um, you know, when that all happens, you know, I think that's when you feel satisfied as a, as a coach.
Right. Um, you mentioned being the most respected program. You come from the business world. What's your metric for yeah. that? So, you know, metrics on that would be, um, you know, how you're viewed by uh, your programs viewed by fellow coaches, uh, by referees, um, you know, other school administrators, um, by your own school administrators, um, mm -hmm. how you're, you know, viewed by players on the other teams. It, it, I think you kind of get to know it also. It, it's almost a natural thing that happens. You know, when I first came to PVI, I had to work really hard uh, to recruit some good kids to come to PVI because mm -hmm. of cross play. Um, and I don't have to work as hard anymore. You know, every year it gets a little easier. And, it, and I think if you build it the right way, um, you know, it, it kind of speaks for itself. And, and um, you know, the program starts selling itself. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, it's the, who are the kind of kids that want to come to PVI? And I think we've had some just phenomenal high-character kids that wanted to come here. And um, that's kind of how I define success. You know, are we mm -hmm. getting the right kids? And then are we turning out the right kind of kids? You know, are we, are we turning out kids we can be proud of and, and preparing them for success at the next level? And, you know, um, we're starting to see examples of that. We have two guys that are alums, graduated in 13. Uh, Nick Carpenter, uh, who's now the senior captain at Georgetown, and Ethan Pally, who's now senior captain at Duke. And, you know, we take great pride of that in having two guys that are now captains of, you know, major D1 programs. And, you know, those are the kinds of things you look at. You know, um, mm -hmm. what did these guys do when they left? You know, where did they go? What did they accomplish? You know, how, how what kind of young men did they become? And, and ultimately, that's how we'll measure it. Right. Um, you mentioned having to, to convince a few of the, the talented players that come to PVI in the beginning. What, what was the, and you may not have gotten them all, but what was the, 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 I guess the hook that you were able to get some of those guys into the, like, what was it that you told them or what was it that attracted them to be like, you know, that's where I want to go. Right. Well, first I, I, you know, what I had was I had our mission and I had our vision. <laughs> I had that, um, you know, I had, I had the, the, you know, um, one thing I had going for me is I was doing this full time. You know, I put a lot of time and effort into it. Um, you know, I still do, but the first couple of years, a lot of time. And effort. <laughs> Um, it, it became like my sole focus. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was a big part of it. And I, I think the other thing was, you know, the opportunity to to be part of something, to accomplish something that's never been done before. And, you know, that was a big thing. Now, I will tell you, we were really, I, I mean, I was blessed my first year to have what turned out to be, you know, the talent that I had. And, you know, even though they hadn't had a lot of success before 13, we had an incredible year in 13. And I think that year alone, um, you know, some of the games we won and getting to the title game of WCC and this, so that went a long way to letting people know that, hey, this is a program that can compete at the highest level. Mm -hmm. um, what they didn't know, you know, we were graduating 18 seniors. So that, <laughs> right. you know, we were really starting from scratch. And, um, you know, so from that perspective, it was a chance to come in and, and you know, uh, um, compete. Um, and, and be a part of, um, you know, building the program. And, and that's been the vision, you know, building the program. You know, we, we know we're going to become, and we're in the process of becoming um, a championship program. When that happens, I don't know. You know, of course, every year we hope it's this year. Right. Um, but, you know, we know we've got guys in the program. Whether or not we do it this year, we did it last year, the year before, the guys that graduated last year, the year before, 14, 13, they know that they were an important part of building the foundation. So when that first banner goes up, you know, it, it, it's not going to be just the class of 17. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, the 
the 17th, it's going to be, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16. You know, those guys will all be part of that championship banner. And I, I think they take pride in that. They know, you know, they were a part of making us something special. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, now we need to carry that forward. And, and, you know, what I tell the guys that graduated and they're in college, you know, the, the, the Ethan Pallies and the, the Nick Carpenters, you know, they're, they're doing great things for us because, um, you know, they're, they're great PR for our program and our school. You know, um, they're, you know, great young men. They're very successful. Um, but they're also, you know, the kind of high character young men that, you know, everybody can be proud of. And when you become a, when your teammates select you as a captain for a major D1 program, you know, you got the right kind of guys. Right. So that's helped us a lot. It's definitely, and, and, and the other thing that's helped is, you know, right away we, we had guys recruited. Um, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of is, is the, um, you know, the number of recruits. We've got over 30 Division One recruits since I came in and, um, and going to great schools, you know, mm -hmm. Duke, USC, UVA, um, Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland, Delaware, Rutgers, um, Dartmouth, um, you know, the, the Furman. The, the, we've got guys going to some great schools, and um, and now we've got other new ones in the program. You know, we have our first John Hopkins commit. We, we have our first guy at Navy. We have our first Army commit you know, um, all these great schools. So um, we are now known by the college coaches, which helps a lot too. So now right. they come to us, you know, looking for talent. So it just starts feeding on itself. And if you have a couple years like that of success and you get the right kind of kids, um, the other thing about getting the right kind of kids is that, you know, superstar player, if you don't have the grades, I'm not sure that a lot of the kids understand. If you don't have the grades, you're not going to go to a great school. Right. Lacrosse is still not yet a, quote, um, revenue sport. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kids in Northern Virginia typically have to have a 4.0 to a 4.2 to get into UVA. Well, lacrosse could help you if you're a really good lacrosse player, but you better have at least a 3.5, 3.6 if you think you're going to go to U UVA to play lacrosse or to go mm -hmm. to Duke to play lacrosse. So, you know, they still have to be great students and, and understand that, you know, that there, there's value in that. And it's not all about just being that lacrosse athlete. <laughs> exactly. And especially, you know, since it, you don't get you don't get a full scholarship, you know, well, 99.9% .9 of the time, you're not going to get a full scholarship for lacrosse. So, you, Unless you go to Army or Navy. Right. right. Um, but you need those academics because, you know, college is expensive. <laughs> so, you know, you need the it, academic it, side to help you pay for it. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I, that's a special, you know, to me, that's part of what's so special about our sport. You know, to me, it was almost like the last pure amateur sport, you know, um, being played at, you know, the real high level. And, mm -hmm. and, and even though we have the quote MLL, you don't, there's very few guys that make a living, you know, playing in the MLL. I mean, those right. guys do it because they love the game. And there's a small handful of guys like Paul Rabel, Rob Pinnell, Max Diebel, you know, who've been able to actually make that, you know, bigger than just playing in the MLL. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is a sport where it can help you a lot um, in terms of getting into a good school, but mm -hmm. You still have to have the academics, and you know I think the biggest thing about the game of lacrosse is the um, the family atmosphere. You know, you're you're part of something much bigger. You know, um, I I think guys from I'll take an example Washington Metropolitan area. You got all these great private schools. Uh, in the IAC and the WCAC, you know, when we're in the WCAC, we feel a part of something special as part of the WCAC. We feel a part of something special as part of VISA. But we also feel part of something special now being a part of the Washington metropolitan area in Virginia, which I think mm -hmm. has just become a booming hotbed for lacrosse. So, 
you know, and that's part of the game. And, and, then, and then I think all these guys know they're part of something even bigger, you know, and, and you know, um, it means something. They come out, they get, you know, uh, they've got a great degree. They, they've been successful working as part of the team. And then now they're networking through their lacrosse network. Right. You know, and it's no surprise that, you know, all the research studies done show that the best alumni givers are lacrosse players. And that's why all the colleges now want to add lacrosse because they tend, it's just a, it's a networked uh, sport. And it's a, you know, it's a very family oriented type sport, you know, very tightly connected. Yeah. I think it's because it does feel like it's, it's a big sport, but it still feels small. Like, you know, you can't. It still feels small, right. And, and I think everybody feels related in some, you know, I mean, it's, you know, that six degrees of separation, it just seems like you're connected to everybody in this game somehow, yeah. some way. I mean, there's like, I mean, you know, things like Twitter and social media helps you to connect, but you know, it's like, you know, I, I move out to Illinois, but it's still like, you, you know, the names and you know, the people and it's like, oh yeah, you know, right. you know each other, even if you know them through a certain, because you, you have this connection of, oh, you yeah. like, you like the same sport I like and we're, you know, you kind of have that. So yeah, it still feels like that, almost like a family sport in that way, even though right. it is, you know, there's 300,000 people playing in, in the high school level. So it's by no means small, but it feels that way. Oh my um, God. You know, yeah, it, it's scary to think how competitive it is today. And I you think in my era, you know, I played at University of Delaware in Schillingwall, Coach Schillingwall's first class, 79 to 82. And, mm-hmm. you know, we thought it was competitive then, but it's not <laughs> competitive as it is now. These poor kids, you know, they're, they're competing with a lot more guys now for these limited spots. Right. Um, and that's the other thing where, you know, I think academics come into play in our game and, and why it's my number one focus with our guys after family and faith, it's academics, not lacrosse, because there's a lot of great lacrosse players, but the, the talent funnel gets smaller, as you say, great lacrosse players with, with uh, three, five or greater GPA, right. you know, and if you can be one of those guys, now you're, you know, now you have a lot more options and, and you're kind of in the game at that point. Yeah, it can be. It can definitely. I've talked to enough coaches. It can be the difference maker. You know, if the coach is looking to fill a spot on the roster, and you got two kids that are pretty close athletically, that yeah. academics is gonna probably. You know, it's gonna be the deciding factor. And it's like, you know, that's that can be. And what difference. other sport is academics a deciding factor? Right. You know, exactly. What other? There is no other. You know, sport. That's what's so great about lacrosse. You know, academics become the deciding factor. I think that's cool about our sport. And you know, um, you know I, I just think it's great. Yeah, just uh, as a relatable story, I have I will not mention any names or schools, but I was covering high school football in Maryland for a number of years, and we went into a, a recruiting coordinator's office, and he had one of the best players in the state on the board, along with his GPA, and knowing the school, we were like, there's no way he can get in. Like, we're like, how are you going to get him in there with that GPA? And they're like, we'll get him in. If he wants to right. come here, we'll get him in. I don't hear that at lacrosse coaches. Like, yeah, it's like just not the same thing. <laughs> And, and, and if they're talking about a guy like that lacrosse at one of these top schools, it might be someone with like a three-two, you know. Right, that, right. Yeah, yeah this, was not a three two. <laughs> this was not a three-two. This was not a three-two. And that's um, maybe you know one guy in the whole program, and and but yeah, it's a lot different in our sport. I think that's great, and yeah. uh, I think that definitely differentiates us. Exactly, um, and kind of wrap. No, yeah, we kind of wanted to wrap up. We've covered a lot of things, but you'd mentioned coaching in, in the WCAC in the Northern Virginia area, yeah. and I kind of want to talk about coaching WCAC because we kind of mentioned yeah. Dematha, who for years was the yeah. dominant power. Gonzaga has yeah. now taken that over. I mean, they've won what seven yeah. seven consecutive conference over. titles. Yeah. I can't speak highly mm-hmm. enough of Co- Coach O'Neill. He's think he's a great guy, done great things. 
Um, yeah. You've and turned Paul the six in. Yeah, you've turned Paul the six into a consistent winner. You know, I think it's very interesting that now Coach Giblin, who was a powerhouse at Georgetown Prep, now moves into yeah. your conference. So, like, I look at it, I'm like, oh wow, you got the IAC and the WCAC, yeah. which you know, for the people that don't know, like. Those schools, I mean, St. Stephen, St. Agnes, you guys play them, but you not play them in the conference because they play in that Virginia. I mean, right. Those schools are so right. close to each other. It could right. technically be its own con- – like the Northern Virginia, D.C. area could it really could. be its own it conference. We, you know, it almost is because we, we all end up playing each other. Like, you know, we typically are playing land and then prep. Mm-hmm. Um, we can only play so many out-of-conference games. But right. We want to play some of the best teams there to get ready for the math uh, – to get ready for – um, Gonzaga and Damascus and the other top teams in our, in our conference. So Gonzaga plays all those teams. So um, yeah, we're all competing against each other and, and there's a lot of competition for talent, you know, so all those schools are competing for the same talent also. So um, yeah, we're, we're intertwined. Whether yeah. we like it or not. <laughs> right. So what's it like? Yeah, you know, so what's pride. the scouting? Rep- Go ahead. Yeah. But there's also pride involved um, in that you know, I think, if you get our um, coaches together, like the Potomac chapter, which is IEC, WCAC, and the MAC, you know, I think there's a lot of pride in um, the, the talent level and the success of the, of the teams in our area and the ability now to compete with the MIA, the Long Island teams, anybody. You know, um, um, I think that's, you know, and it speaks highly of this area, and all those coaches are part of it. You know, everybody that's been involved with, WCC Mac and and um, the IEC is a part of building that you know mm-hmm. that foundation for this area and I think it's huge and I, it's only going to get bigger. I mean, I, this area. I came here 30 years ago out of college uh, for a job and um, there wasn't a whole lot going on when I got here. <laughs> um, it has grown incredibly, and in the last 15 years, it's exploded. And quite frankly, it's going to continue exploding. And, and the reason being. Um, Fairfax County was the fastest growing county in the nation for 10 years. The last 10 years, it's been Loudoun County. Mm. And Loudoun County is not only the fastest growing, it's the highest capita per capita county in the nation. And, and if you look at the economics of it, we're in a recession-proof region in Washington metropolitan area, Northern Virginia, because of the federal government, whether we like it or not. And that, that's why. And mm-hmm. produces a lot of jobs, whether it's working for the government or working for a contractor or you know, service companies, whatever. And what what's happened since I've been here, what I've seen is people have been coming here for the job. So people from New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Baltimore, and that's been the big game changer. So all these guys that had played lacrosse in college had been coming to this area for 20 years. And now all of a sudden, that's why there's been an explosion in the youth league. Because now mm-hmm. we have coaches in the youth league. And the expansion out in Loudoun County just blows my mind. I mean, it's, this area, I think it's as good as any area right now, but the difference between our area and the other hotbeds is that this area is still growing. Right. They're not we're still growing. And um, I think in 10 years, this will be by far the, the top area just because of the economics of it. Right. You know? And so for those college coaches, I think they're, they've all kind of caught on to that. So we have a lot more college coaches coming to our area recruit kids mm-hmm. you know I, I think the uva coach is very lucky because you know if you're a kid in state 
the best deal going is to go to an in-state school. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a ton of talent here. Yeah. So I was going to ask you to get, kind of give me the quick scouting report for the WCAC for the up, upcoming season. Obviously, you know, Gonzaga, I have to believe, will be the favorite going in because right. until someone knocks them off. They have to be. They have <laughs> to be, yeah. Until some, and I, I'm the biggest proponent of that. I think until someone beats them, um, they have to be. Um, you know, no matter what anybody says, whatever you hear on blog, they have to be. And, yeah. and you know, what it's been. They've earned the right. They've earned the right to be the favorite going in right. at this They've point. And until somebody beats them, you know, they, they should be a top. I, I think, the uh, you know, after that, it's, there's always, you know, it seems like uh, the math and PBI are always very close in competition. And, uh, Saint, you know, people don't realize St. Mary's Riken was the last school to win a WCAC championship before Gonzaga. Yep. So it was like it was the NASA for 10 years, then it was Riken, and then it's been uh, Gonzaga for six years. So, um, you know, Riken is always competitive. Um, St. John's is always, you know, St. John's is always that sleeping, you know, that, that sleeping giant, you know, and um, they've got the resources, you know, support from Under Armour and the resources to be mm-hmm. very competitive. They've got athletes that get a tremendous football program. Anybody that's got a tremendous football program is going to have the athletes. So mm-hmm. Massa, St. John's, Gonzaga are always going to have the athletes. And, and good counsel, same thing. Um, so you know those schools can all compete. Um, you know, the, the, the smaller schools tend to be Ireton, O'Connell, PBI. And I think up until four years ago, we, you know, we were all kind of an afterthought. And uh, I do think we've kind of changed things up a little bit by making it to the WCAC title game through the last four years. And, um, you know, but I think it'll be yeah. us, the Massa. It's going to be us, the Massa, St. John's, Riken, Good Castle. And I, I couldn't even put it in order. And then and I, I think Kevin Giblin's going to do great things at Bishop O'Connell. You know, yeah, so I was going to ask you about how do you think he'll have an impact? I know it's first season and everything, but he's been there for a few months now. I mean, I think it was September, have, October. He'll have a big impact. He's got some athletes there. They'll, they'll be very competitive. And, you know, I expect them to have at least one big upset this year. Um, but it's going to be, it's a building process for him. And, you know, it's going to take a couple years. Um, you know, it, it, he doesn't have the talent I had my first year. Right. Um, but he's got the same talent. Those guys were all gone after my first year. He's got the same challenge. You've got to build it. But he can build it. I mean, he, you know, he's got the reputation um he'll he'll make a huge difference for them and i love it i think it's great for a conference um i think it's a big deal for for the wcc to get a coach the quality of coach giblin yeah um like it's a big deal for us and i, I love it because you know he it's interesting but when i first came into the wcc and started playing the private schools like preps and 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 landon and all these schools you know for me it was like god i, I I'm walking on the field and competing with Kevin Giblin and um, <laughs> Rob Bordley and, you know, all these guys. And I was like, wow, this is great. You know, it's just exciting. So you like and, to compete. And, and and you guys know. beat Coach Giblin that first year. That, that was the – because I, yeah. I remember that season because I remember I think we talked before the season yeah. and we kind of, you kind of told so us some of the same shocker. stuff. I think it was a big shocker to everybody. And they were like, what the heck is going – you know, that was a, that was a shot off the bow. And – uh, we we obviously surprised them that year, and I think Coach Giblin's going to do that to somebody this year. Yeah, I think that he'll have enough at O'Connell, and and you know he's a good enough coach. I I, I wouldn't underestimate him at all. I will tell you that. I mean, 
Um, you know, the schools I mentioned should be able to beat them, but, you know, nothing's a guarantee. And um, he'll have his guys ready. I guarantee you that. And, yeah. Um, I guarantee you within three years, he'll be, he'll compete, be competing with everybody. Yeah, it's going to be you know, an interesting. Yeah, I think it's gonna like when I when I saw he was hired, I was like, "That's a great hire for for the school." But also the the con- I was like, "That's a great hire for the conference" because they start looking at everybody. It's like, yeah. "Look at you guys and uh, Damatha right. and Riken." I guess Riken for me, I guess, is the kind of not sure about because I know their longtime coach, Coach Southern, retired, and so right. I think last year was the first year without him. So you know, you kind of got that transition period where not yeah, really so sure. that new young he's going through a transition. But I, I tell you, they're they're. They were very scrappy last year. They're always going to be. They remind me of St. John's. I mean, they're they're just always going to be a tough out no matter what. Yeah. And they got great athletes. And um, we were just in a uh, a tournament at Landon a couple weekends ago, East Coast High School Showcase. And I, you know, I think they lost to Landon by a couple goals. And I think Landon was shocked. You know, it was like, wow, who are these guys? Yeah. Um, so you know, that's the thing about the WCAC. The one thing I I would say about our conference, you know. Everybody's got a competitive edge, <laughs> and um, you know what I mean. When, yeah. when you get out on the field, there are no easy games. Um, you know, every game is going to be you're going to be tested every game, and if, if you don't come ready to play, someone's going to beat you. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and I think it's the same. It's certainly the same thing in the IEC. You know, I think there's actually more equilibrium in the IEC in terms of you don't really know for sure who's going to win every year. Um, yeah, I mean, more last year was a perfect time. example. I mean, Bullis, yeah. storm, you know, steamrolled everybody. I don't think Came anybody out of nowhere. Ex- right. Yeah, I mean, they lost right. their first game, and I think they lost. I mean, they lost the Hill Academy, but you know, everybody right. does. Almost everybody loses the Hill Academy, um, but you know, outside of that, they won the rest of the way. And I don't think anybody was particularly good because I remember last year for Bullis reminded me a lot of your first year at PVI because, like, just when I was yeah, talking to people did. throughout it, the year, everybody was kind of waiting for the 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 bubble to burst in a way because right, like right, after right. you guys beat prep everybody's like i remember right. talking to some people and like oh they're not right. that good they had a good game right and i'm, I'm like right. i'm always a skeptic because i'm always like i'm not that quick to write teams off i'm like uh, right. you know it's hard it's hard to just you know you don't win by luck that's, that's, in these areas i was no, like you, you win by hard work and dedication i was like and you have to have talent because the big test for all of us coaches i, I think phyllis bullet had a tremendous year i mean tremendous year last oh year. yeah Incredible year. The, the big test for all of us is can you sustain it you know and and that's you know the guys that have sustained it have been the landons the preps the gonzagas the massa you know uh was in there too you know long probably the longest era of success mm-hmm. uh, dominant success so you know if you can and i think that's where building the culture comes in you got to build the culture to, to have that consistent program you know the ability to come out and be successful every year even in a quote down year mm-hmm. um, and I think those are the programs that you know I, I would say I'd, I'd have the most respect for because um, they've done it with as much by with their culture as anything else right you know and that takes time it takes time to do that and that's what we hope we're we hope we're becoming that kind of program yeah you know we, we still have a ways to go but we that's what you know what we're moving towards yeah and you say down years you know just to kind of end on that note like you look at some of the years that people consider for this programs like the preps and the landons that are down yeah. years there's a lot of programs that would take those down years and there's a lot of programs that those those down years would be their best season 
ever. So, right. you know, it's, I think it right. speaks to what you're saying. It's like you build that culture. Yes, people expect to win year out, year in, year out. You expect to get to a level, but then your down years, they're not up to your expectations, but they're still right. really good. And they're still really good. Right. And, and, and that, in those kinds of programs, they're never going to have a real down year. That, you know, it's going to be a down year because I'm not top five in the nation. Right. But, you know, they're still going to be really good. And, you know, that, that's where we want to be. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what we're what we're working towards. Yeah, and I think you guys have built. You know, you guys are in the conversation. I know you guys have. You know, you, I haven't got to the level of like Gonzaga, where you're usually in the top five to start the year. But I think what you've done at the program is you guys have taken Paul, Paul, Paul PBI to the level to where you guys are in the conversation now every year. Like yeah. no one, you yeah, know, expect- it's Gonzaga. You yeah. guys are in that topic of conversation when it comes to start the year. But like, what are they going to do? Look who they got. Like. And that's, you have yeah, to start we somewhere. We feel good about that. I think we do feel we need to take that next step, but, you know, we definitely feel good about that. Um, this should be our best year if we stay healthy. It's always a question, you know, are you healthy? But it's the first year I've had four classes that I've recruited in the PBI. So, um, and I think we've had our best off season. You know, we beat Landon for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Um, in their tournament, we beat Prep and Landon and tied Malvern Prep and, um, we lost to the Hill Academy in the championship game of that tournament. And I think that's the first time we've made it to the championship game of that t- particular tournament yeah. in the fall. And, um, and we had a really good summer. And so, um, again, if we could stay healthy, uh, we feel good about our ability to compete. Um, but until you win a title, you, you know, you're just another good program. So, right. um, you know, we hope we can, be consistent, and we'll keep working on building our culture because, you know, that at the end of the day, that's what's going to keep this program sustained and, you know, and, and keep moving forward. So that's what we – that's why it's not as much about the wins and losses, to be honest with you, as it is building the right culture. Mm-hmm. And I think the culture will help, you know, carry the program forward in, in good years mm-hmm. and bad years. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach, I think that's the, the, perfect, the perfect place to end, so I really appreciate you – you're taking time today uh, to talk with me. I know we went a bit long, but uh, I thought it was a good conversation. So it was it was really great. So good luck with well, this upcoming season. Talking about season. lacrosse is easy for me, Mike. Thanks thanks for inviting me to talk. And you know, you get me passionate when I start talking about the game and um, you know how excited I am about where we are in terms of Washington metropolitan area and, and the state of Virginia. Really yeah. How far the, and, the quality of the game has come is just exciting to me. For for me, this is that time of year where I can I, I start to feel the itch. Like you know, it's always like yeah. okay, December's here. You know, and for me, since I start covering stuff early, you know, Florida starts kind of basically. You know, they I think they kick off practice the first week of February. So for me, it starts even earlier than it starts for you guys. So you know, I get through December and I'm like, all right, it's almost here. <laughs> you kind of you know, I'm a little bit like you know, chomping at the bit. <laughs> like it's like all right, we're getting Once close. Once we get to close. the end of the year, it, it just it, time flies. Once you get to the end of the year, and, you know, these guys are conditioning. That's the big thing now preseason. But, you know, you get here, and it's just like it seems like tomorrow is going to be February 21st, which is our first day of tryouts. We have scrimmages the next weekend, and then our first game is March the 9th against Landon. So we, we start off with a big one right away. Now, yeah, that'll be a great game to start it's off with. Test. Yeah, good test for both yeah. of us, I think. And hopefully the farmer's almanac is wrong, and it won't be the bad winter. And so, because I know there was a couple, oh. a few years ago, I remember talking to Coach Shriver at Boys Latin. He said they were, you know, they were shoveling the snow off the field the day before the game because that was the only way it was going to get played. <laughs> we never made it on the field before our first game that year. We, we to practice. 
everything was just done in parking lots and I mean it was just terrible. So yeah, I hope I hope, hope the weather's a little kinder than the predictions. Well, we we shall see. So I really appreciate it, Coach. Thanks a lot, and you have a good You're evening. Welcome. All right. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.